to the Wagner Ministries International Podcast. As you listen to this message, our prayer is that you would be motivated and empowered to follow Christ and lead others to Him. Enjoy. God bless you, my friends. This is Evangelist Kevin Wagner, founder of Wagner Ministries International, welcoming you to our podcast today. The last time we looked at Acts, we were brought face to face with the account of the first Gentile conversion, Cornelius the Centurion in Caesarea. We saw the barriers that God had to break down in Peter's life before he could be used to bring Jesus to Cornelius and his family. But the Holy Spirit did mold and shape Peter, and as a result, many non-Jewish people began to come to Christ and get saved. That was Acts chapter 10. This is Acts chapter 11. The first part of Acts 11 is the account of Peter explaining to the believers back in Jerusalem what God did in Cornelius' life and in the life of his family. It's basically a review of Acts 10, so we're going to move further along today in Acts to the last part of Acts chapter 11, verses 19 to 30. Here's what the Bible says. Now those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out uh, went to Antioch, spreading the word only among Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. News of this reached the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw what the grace of God had done, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. During this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them named Agabus stood up and through the spirit predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. This happened during the reign of Claudius. The disciples, as each one was able, decided to provide help for the brothers and sisters living in Judea. This they did, sending their gift to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. Friends, the book of Acts, as you are finding out, is about real flesh and blood people. Christianity is not about fables and fiction like Greek and Roman mythology. You won't find an individual birthed by some far-fetched imagination like Atlas, who holds the world up on his shoulders. But what you will find are real people with hurts and dreams like you, with emotions and families like you, real people who have been crafted by God like you, people we can relate to because they're like us. And today we meet another one of those real flesh-and-blood brothers of ours, and his name is Barnabas. Barnabas is a testimony of what God can do when we give him control of our lives. Today I want to focus on what the Bible tells us about this man named Barnabas and what we can learn from his example for our lives. The qualities that made Barnabas an effective and useful man of God 
are qualities that we can and should ask God to release in our lives too. The first mention of Barnabas in the Bible is in Acts chapter 4, verses 36 and 37, where it says, Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. So Barnabas was from the island of Cyprus. He grew up as a Jew, but met the Lord Jesus personally, and his life was forever changed as he became a Christian. His name Barnabas literally means son of consolation and encouragement, and boy, did he live up to his name. In fact, that gift of encouragement which Barnabas had is the most striking quality of his life. If someone were to sum your life up in one word, what would it be? Well, in Barnabas's case, it would be encourage. We see Barnabas's encouragement acting in three ways. The first way is the way that he encouraged other people with his generosity. Look at what the Bible says about his generosity in Acts chapter 4. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone as he had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. Barnabas saw a need, and he responded. He sold a whole field and gave that money to care for the needs of others. What a man! His reputation for generosity comes through again in Acts chapter 11, verses 27 uh, and on, where we read, During this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them, named Agabus, stood up and through the Spirit predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. This happened during the reign of Claudius. The disciples, as each one was able, decided to provide help for the brothers and sisters living in Judea. This they did, sending their gift to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. During that time of need, who did the church leaders pick to bring their offerings to the hungry? Why, Barnabas, of course because they knew his generous spirit and the joy that he would get and give in presenting these gifts to those who need it. I ask you, is there any more encouraging thing than getting a timely gift when you really need it? I can think of many examples of people telling Nicole and I that they were down to their last penny, on their last can in the pantry, or the date on their loan had finally come due, and sure enough, someone, often anonymously, Send some money in the mail that very day to cover the costs. Those are answers to prayers, friends. Many of you today can testify to similar things in your own lives. When you're down to your last and only hope, when we're really desperate, that's when we get on our knees and pray. Desperate prayers. And when we pray those desperate prayers, God hears them and prompts men like Barnabas to answer them and encourage us in the process. The story is told of a pastor who is talking to his farmer friend, and he asked the farmer, If you had 100 horses, would you give me 50? The farmer said, Certainly, pastor. 
Well, the pastor then asked, if you had 100 cows, would you give me 50? The farmer said, yes. Then the pastor asked, if you had two pigs, would you give me one? The farmer said, now cut that out, pastor. You know I have two pigs. That may characterize some people, but it sure doesn't fit Barnabas. He wouldn't just give one pig, he'd give them both, and with a smile on his face to boot, because he wouldn't be thinking about what he was giving up. He'd be thinking about the joy and encouragement that his gift would give the people receiving it. So Barnabas was encouraging to other people through his generosity, and he was also encouraging to others by standing up for them when it seemed like everyone was against them. Look what Barnabas did in the Apostle Paul's life when we read Acts chapter 9, verses 26 to 28. The Bible says, When he came to Jerusalem, Paul tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. So here is Paul, newly saved, radically excited about his new relationship with Jesus, and yet the very people that he thought would share his excitement were afraid of him. They wouldn't trust him and they turned their backs on him. In all of Jerusalem, the Bible indicates that if it weren't for Barnabas, there would have been no Christian who would have stood up for Paul and vouched for his character and sincerity. Everyone had turned their backs on him and weren't listening. But Barnabas, that son of encouragement, lived up to his name again and encouraged Paul by convincing the other believers that Jesus really had changed his life. Can you imagine, friends, what could have happened if Barnabas hadn't been there? God knows, but Paul may have turned his back on his young faith, being so disappointed by the other so-called Christians, and just slid back into his former life, sliding down the oh-so-slippery slope away from Jesus and down to destruction. God knows this has happened in the lives of so many people, even people we know in past months and years. I ask you, how many people do you know who have come to Jesus sincerely, with fear and trembling, new babes in Christ, needing the encouragement, consolation, and support that any child needs in their early years and relationships, yet they have not found these things within the body of believers, even from church people, and have slid quietly back away from Christ fueled by the pain of disillusionment. As the Bible holds up its mirror to us again, look into it and ask yourself, who are you in Acts chapter 9? Are you Barnabas, quick to encourage, trust, and support? Or are you more like the other disciples, quick to judge, quick to question, and quick to doubt? A good measure of this is to ask yourself this question. When you hear how Jesus has changed a person's life, is your first reaction a praise the Lord, or is it an I wonder how long that will last? 
Barnabas was quick to praise and quick to support. I can only know my heart in all this, but I dare say that each of us has some progress we can make on the Barnabas scale in the days to come. Will you ask the Lord to make you more like that son of encouragement today? So Barnabas was encouraging in his generosity. He was encouraging in that he stood up for others even when no one else would. And the last way that Barnabas was encouraging that I'll focus on today is that Barnabas was encouraging in the way that he saw potential in other people. I want to share with you two more modern examples of this, both a negative and a positive one, and then we'll look at the biblical example again concerning Barnabas and Paul. First, the positive. When he was a young boy, the great painter Benjamin West decided to paint a picture of his sister while his mother was not at home. He got out the bottles of ink and started, but soon he had an awful mess. His mother eventually returned and, of course, saw the mess. Instead of scolding him, though, she picked up the portrait and declared, What a beautiful picture of your sister. Then she kissed him. Later in his life, he said, With that kiss, I became a painter. Now the negative. Evangelist Bill Glass asked a group of a thousand prison inmates one day, how many of you had parents who told you that you would end up in prison one day? Almost every single one of the inmates raised his hand. It's incredible, isn't it? As a parent, it amazes me that anyone could actually say those things to their children, but it also amazes me about the power that our words carry. Barnabas's words carried power too. Take a look again at your Bibles and see what type of a man Barnabas was. You may or may not have noticed, but the Bible takes a break from Paul for about two chapters in Acts. From the end of Acts 9 to the middle of Acts 11, we don't hear anything about Paul. This is strange. It's strange because Paul had just been dramatically saved. And God had placed an incredible call in his life when the Lord said in Acts 9, 15, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. Now, that's a huge calling, a huge mission. You'd expect then to hear continually about the way God was going to bring this to pass, but not so. Here's what really happened as we see in Acts chapter 9, verses 29 and 30. Paul talked and debated with the Hellenistic Jews, but they tried to kill him. When the believers learned of this, they took him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. So instead of going around the world, taking Jesus to foreign lands, Paul just went back home. That's it. The disciples literally shipped him back home probably with a quick blessing and a bon voyage and maybe a bagel, and that was it. Case closed. God's great chosen instrument is sitting around back home in Tarsus. We don't hear anything about him for two chapters. Have any of you been wondering where he went? We don't hear anything about him again until, guess who? You guessed it. Barnabas steps on the scene. Skip ahead to that scene now in Acts 11, our lesson today. 
you remember that there was a great Gentile revival that was taking place in Antioch. We'll talk more about this in our next podcast. The Jerusalem church leaders sent Barnabas up that 300-mile road to supervise God's dealings up there. But friends, look at one of the first things that Barnabas did when he got to Antioch in verse 25. The Bible says, Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. Do you realize that for 14 years, Paul says in Galatians 2, that he was back home, all but forgotten by all the rest of his brothers in the Holy Land? Those must have been long, silent years for Paul. We don't know for sure what he did during that time, but you can imagine that he must have thought time and time again, I wonder if anyone even remembers I'm here. I wonder if anyone really cares. Well, someone did remember, and someone did care, and his name was Barnabas, the man in God's spotlight today. You can imagine the way Paul's heart must have jumped when he saw his old friend again back home in Tarsus. You can imagine Paul running out to meet old Barnabas, slapping him on the back, wrapping his arm around his shoulder, and escorting him into his home. He probably announced, Mom, Dad, this is the man that I've told you so much about. He's the one who stood up for me. If it wouldn't have been for Barnabas here, I may not be here today. And Barnabas could have said, And you won't be here much longer either, pal. God needs you, and so do I. What made Barnabas travel those hundred miles or so of dusty Roman road to seek out a man that the rest of the world had forgotten long ago? Well, I'll tell you what. He saw other people as God sees them. Not as what they were or what they are, but as what they could be. Fourteen years may have gone by, but Barnabas could still see the fire in Paul's eyes. He could still hear the passion in Paul's voice as he preached Jesus. He knew Paul's potential, and he was going to do everything that he could to see Paul's potential released and become everything that God wanted him to be. Friends, I want to speak personally to you today. There may be some of you who are frustrated because you know that God has placed a call in your life. But as you look at your life and where you're at now, you're as far away from where you know God ultimately wants you as Tarsus was from Antioch. And you're waiting and you're wondering, when God, when? And maybe if you were honest, you would admit that you even doubt if you heard God correctly in the first place. Friend, if that's where you are at today, then I want to speak this word of encouragement to you. God has not forgotten you or his call on your life. Your Barnabas is on his way. Pray that you'll still have your willing and obedient spirit when he comes knocking on your door back home. Because you see, when God promises you something, it's going to come to pass. Think of some of the promises that God has given you in your life over the years. And I don't mean only the, some, the same promises that he gives to all Christians through the Bible. I also mean the special promises just for you. 
I mean the promises that he has whispered in the quietness of your spirit, the promises that are so precious and so treasured that perhaps you dare not speak them, lest they lose their holiness and their intimacy between you and your Lord. The quiet promise of the assurance of salvation for one you've prayed for so long. The precious promise of healing for someone that you sometimes feel will never leave you. The treasured promise of being used in that ministry that you've privately longed for as long as you can remember. Those are the promises that the Lord will send your way. So watch for Barnabas at your door in the days to come. As always, my friends, I look so forward to our next podcast where we will move further into the book of Acts as the Holy Spirit uses His Word to help us walk daily in the power of God. Have a blessed day in Jesus. Thank you for listening to the podcast. We hope that you were encouraged by today's message. For more information regarding Wagner Ministries International, go to wagnerministries.org. And if you need prayer for anything, please email us at prayer at wagnerministries.org. God bless.